Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead seahorse 1d6 ocean damage at a time. This week we're reviewing a very tiny game for very tiny children, because we had a packed schedule and needed something light. Therefore, we shall be discussing Mermaid Adventures, a game about mermaids and eel maids and uh, octomaids and also uh, Les Poissons, Les Poissons, <laughs> on System Mastery. And welcome back. I'm your host, Jeff, and this is System Mastery. Also on the show, John, the other host. Yay, well, I'm here too. I mean, we like to let him hang around. and Yay, <laughs> I've got toys. He does. He does have toys. In fact, I believe he's got his knives. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Axes. Check. <laughs> Rope. Check. I can just do this all day. Yeah, we're just going to do the whole song, and then as soon as we're done, we'll do it again. Oh, man. There are no fingerprints deep in the ocean. Nothing to tie one to a crime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, you can't read Mermaid Adventures without just constantly thinking about Mermaider. Yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, go look up Mermaider by Death Clock. Yeah, that song That song rips. That song is great and also... Good. It's fact, good and great. The fact that it, it fits with this means that it has been in my head five ever. Yeah, no, it's it's for about two weeks now. Yeah. Because this is a rare occasion where we actually ended up somehow with two copies of this book. Yeah, this, uh, a while ago, probably, what, two, three years ago, I got a stack, like just a pile of role-playing games. Yeah, I think it was part of like your severance package from the nerd store you used to work at. Yeah, they were like, yo, just take whatever you want from the used bookshelf, and I'm like, oh, yes. Don't you worry, I will. Yeah. And I walked out with a giant pile of books. And, you know, it has since been lost, but you've been unearthing it slowly. And there's some real treasure in there. Some of the books that we've covered came out of that pile, and they oh, are yeah. they are some real good stuff. I, I mean, Stormbringer, Vanishing Point. Was, ha was Haven in there? I don't think, no, it was too no, early. No, Haven I bought from there. Yeah, okay. But yeah, no, that, that treasure trove had a bunch of nonsense well, in it. Vanishing Point's got to be the big score. We got that book for free, and it's worth quite a bit. Well, same with Stormbringer. Yeah, that's true, yeah. There was some weird good rewards to be found in that random pile. But in the in the interim, someone sent me a copy of Mermaid Adventures, and when we decided to cover it, it kind of jostled your memory that you might have one. Oh, yeah. Hidden away along with I like... I was like, I remember that being for sale... Yeah. In the store. Along with, like, your copy of The World of Blood Shadows and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So we ended up being able to both read this, which is great because the book's, like, 40 pages long. It was uh, yeah, it's, it was it's just a dream week. It's wonderful when you're like, I don't even need to share this book with someone, and the book is tiny. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. Uh, interestingly, the books are very different uh, in, in terms of the fact that John's copy is in color. Yeah, I think mine is the full retail version. Yeah, I'm wondering if I didn't get like a uh, a low cost copy for Kickstarter backers. Maybe you may have gotten like the uh, like there could have been an option on Kickstarter that was like get a low end version for cheaper and then the high end colored version for more. Mm -hmm. So so one of the things we learned from from the color copy, which let's go ahead and face it, it's not worth the color. <laughs> it's it's all it's all individual single shades. There's no like. Like uh, gradients or anything worked in there. No, it's not like, really. This mermaid has a green tail because I used the green paint bucket option. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, the only thing you really learn from owning the color version is that a lot of the very obvious aerial traces in there are meant to be dark skinned. Yeah, there's uh, I mean, they do a good job of making it not all white mermaids. So good job. You did that. That said, there's maybe three artists you can individually tell throughout the course of the book, and I really wanted to talk about the art in this book before we dig into it too much, because the art's kind of fun. The art is... There are three things. Amazing. One of them is the guy who is responsible for drawing the bulk of, like, action shots and not, like, the, you know, the, the individual mermaid types or the weird Kickstarter backer art in the back. Uh, they just need to draw a bunch of mermaids. And they kind of draw like Phil and Kaja Foglio. They have the, you know what I mean, John, with the great big smiles. Yeah. With the missing tooth out of each one. That kind of, you saw a lot of that in old D Dragon Magazine. Yeah. Uh, and they also have ended up doing a couple of pieces for Magic over the years. Uh, but uh, they also can't draw shark tails at all. So any shark mermaid drawn by that guy is hiding behind another mermaid. 
Yeah, there was definitely some uh, artistic failings that were being covered up by like Liefeldian happenstance in yeah. the picture. So it's like, oh, I, I don't know how to draw an actual shark man. So the shark tail is behind a thing. And you're like, all right, great. There's a lot of that. Uh, to the point where most sharks, when you see them, the shark mermaids, when you see them in the book, you can basically play the spot the triangle that is meant to represent this guy's lower body. Yeah, they're usually behind a person or they're way off in the distance or something like that. And notably, the artist took the shark people to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger style bodybuilder muscle men. Yeah, which it's like, hey, if you're playing a shark man, you've got, you're stronger. You're, you're a big strong, and they turned them all into like, you know, Hans and Franz power lifters with little tiny shark tails stuck to the bottom. Yeah. Which is a cute concept, but unfortunately I think it falls apart because they never depict a female one. The The other weird thing for me is, uh, I mean, just as far as the game stats go, everyone starts with a one in your four stats except for one of them which starts at a two. Mm -hmm. So for shark people, it starts at a two. Sure. But the other people that start at two aren't like super rift, ripped buff people. So it's it's just weird that they're like, oh yeah, all the shark people are super jacked. I'm like, whatever, man. I could be a manta dude that's also jacked. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a the way the artist interpreted shark people was draw ultra jacked dudes with buzz cuts. Yep, and it's it was an interesting choice. Uh, the other fun art there's two more really fun art styles. One person was clearly hired to draw a couple types of mermaids that are difficult to draw, and and basically there are three of these. There's the lobster people which have lobster lower bodies, and they're actually kind of cool looking. And then there's the really great ones, the jellyfish people and the urchin people. Good lord. So the the jellyfish people and the urchin people are probably the worst thing in this book, but getting ahead of ourselves, the reason it is they are the worst thing in this book is normally when you think of like a mermaid, you think of top half human, Bottom half is the bottom half of another type of animal. Yeah, it's usually like some kind of long fish. Like, you never see an angel fish back half, human front half, because that would be weird looking. It'd be super weird, but yeah. you, you normally are like, oh, it's a long, you know, fish tail, or mm -hmm. you've got, like with the lobster people, it's basically like a the whole lobster body. Yeah, you're like a fish tar. Yeah. yeah or a lobster tar. The, uh, the problem with the... Uh, sea urchin and the uh the jellyfish people is they couldn't figure out how to draw the bottom half of a of a sea urchin which you know let, let's be let's face it is a spiky ball yeah i was like you know i'm not i'm not gonna shit on them for not knowing how to do it i'm yeah. probably just, just gonna shit on them for thinking of it in the first place because I, it just looks like a dude popping up out of a sea urchin yeah it looks like the sea urchin is a novelty cake and a stripper is bursting forth from it yeah, it's an entire sea urchin with a person that looks like they're just being drawn in behind it. Oh, that was the jellyfish one. Yeah, specifically looks like there is a full jellyfish and someone is standing behind it. And all you can see is from their waist up because the way the jellyfish curves and the way the body looks, you're like, man, it just looks like you were standing behind a jellyfish. Yeah, there's you did no work to try and make it look like you're coming out of this. Well, there's notably a big visible outline that represents the de demarcating top part of the jellyfish. Yeah. And then the human starts from like right there. There's there's no like connection. No. It when they did the like line work for it, the jellyfish was completely drawn and then they drew the person afterwards. So you've got that black line that's like, no, this is a whole jellyfish. Nothing is coming out of this. Yeah. So it it was I just didn't work especially well for either of those races. It, unfortunately, there's only one picture for each of the lobster men, urchin people, and jellyfish people. Thankfully, each one's both the like the genders. Not that it matters with an urchin person because it's a you know it's the top half of a man or a lady uh, emerging fully formed from a sea urchin the way like Athena came out of the head of Zeus. Yeah, which is, I mean, I I understand the urchin bit. The fact that they couldn't just give the jelly tentacles to a person because they have octo people in here yeah, yeah. and it's the same thing of just like the bottom half is tentacles and you could have done bottom half is just jellyfish nonsense yeah it would have been fine you just have their bottom half ending kind of a fluted bell area with some tentacles coming off of it would have made perfect sense urgent people are so out there that i'm not even sure i would have done them in the first place no 
Because jellyfish people, you can be like, oh, yeah, around the waist, we just make it look like they've got one of those big hoop skirts. Yeah. And then jellyfish things coming down. Yeah. No, you could actually make jellyfish people that would look super rad. Yeah. Uh, but instead, what they chose to do was trace a lion jellyfish and then trace the top half of a person onto it. Now, one last type of art in here, and this is my favorite one, is clear traces of someone's kids. Yeah. There's, a, there's an art section in here where they... I, I can't it's, it's find like, them in the Kickstarter because it seems like it should be a Kickstarter backer level yeah. is we put art of you in this book. And that's what I assume it is. Yes, because uh, you'll find there's about six p- pictures of people in here uh, that are very clearly traces from photo reference. Uh, and I went they, they, and they all have real names because they're supposed to be like the NPCs of the world. Yeah, but um, it's all things like Princess Chloe yeah, and princes- Hannah Marie. Yeah, most of them are princesses. Uh, it's like Princess Madison, Princess Chloe, because I guess if you're a little kid, then you want to definitely be a Princess Mermaid in the book, obviously. Uh, but they're they're all very done visually done on photo uh, tracing, and also they're not listed in the plate the kid playtester names or even in like the thank you credits. We can't figure out who the hell they are, but it's so obvious visual photo uh, trace that it looks exactly to the dot like when someone gets an ugly tattoo of one of their babies. Yeah, if you've ever been uh, looking around on the internet and you've seen those the worst tattoos lists, mm-hmm. and it's someone got a picture of their baby and it just looks like a like a weird, gross monster yeah, is living on them now, poorly shaded, flesh toothed Frankenstein. Yeah, that that is one hundred percent what this is with a fishtail. Yeah, and it's also notable that like all of the little girl ones are mermaids because when they were like, "Would you like to be half eel or half manta ray?" and they were like. No, what the fuck are you offering me right now? What is this? <laughs> I'm here to play a mermaid. I am, you know, you go ahead and name the famous eel person you want me to represent because I want you to draw me as Ariel. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we already have 17 drawings of Ariel in this book, so. Well, yeah, this book is, I mean, thematically, a lot of the, uh, like, feats or whatever that you can get, a lot of the stuff that goes into this book is very, very much uh, Little Mermaid meets Finding Nemo. Yes. Like, almost all of it. The personalities, because it gives you uh, NPC creatures. Personality for sea turtles. Oh, they are very laid back and will probably call you dude. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I saw Finding Nemo. Yeah, I remember that part where they go in the waves. Sure. Yeah. What about lobsters? These guys are fastidious, but they love reggae music. <laughs> they definitely try to talk dudes into kissing random silent women. Yeah, that's their hobby. That's their whole hobby. That's what all lobsters do. All the, Or crabs, I'm sorry. That's what all crabs do all the time, except for the ones that are you know, trying to collect stuff and singing songs about how shiny they are. <laughs> There's uh, a point where they talk about how, of course, every mermaid can speak to fish. Yes. All mermaids are Aquaman, and you can also speak randomly to seagulls because there was a seagull in Little Mermaid. Yeah, and, and the seagulls will sometimes give you forks and things that have names like Floofanutter and Herfader. Yeah, the the opening uh, little text for this, the little story that opens it up, is straight up just a little mermaid runs around with a dingle hopper and is like, I'm going to use my flutal doob and it's going to let me see a thing. I'll, like, use, uh, I'll use my schnitzel fritz. It's literally the little mermaid, like Eric, Prince Eric falls off the boat part as reimagined by like an eight-year-old girl. Yeah, because also the kid is like eight years old that falls off the boat. Yes. And the mermaid is eight years old, so it's all just like... There's no romance. It's just, I rescue him with magic. Okay, it works. Yay! Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, I'll use my schnitzel hopper. Okay, great. You sure did. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to use this wiener schnitzel. (laughs) I'm going to use this farfanugan. I'm going to use this Volkswagen. (laughs) I'm going to use this schadenfreude. Oh. Oh. Oh, Oh. That guy fell down. Oh, I'm sad. I feel bad for enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, The book is full of... Any type of like undersea mermaid stuff that you have ever seen mm-hmm. is going to be in this book uh, as one of the references. Yes, although I, I I can't stress this enough. They have like seven pictures of Ariel in this book, and no pictures of any other characters from the Little Mermaid. Like they they just we need to draw another random mermaid on this page. Uh, put an Ariel in there. It's almost like they just cut them out of like color coloring books. And yeah, just plastered them in here and. It's interesting because in the black and white version of the book, mm-hmm. you're like, man, that really kind of looks like Ariel. Like they just kept drawing the same mermaid that uh. looks like Ariel. When you get to the colored one, it is the green tail, purple shell bikini. And you're like, 
Oh, that is actually straight yeah. up just Ariel. Huge red hair. It's very clearly just Ariel. And, you know, this book has King Triton in it. He's one of the NPCs. Uh, and it's got octopus people. And, and so I was expecting... And octopus people are... Wizards. ...are more magical than other people. Yeah. So I was fully expecting to turn the page and find an Ursula, you know, like... With all the obvious copyright infringing aerials in here, I was like, well, let's just go whole hog. Let's see an Ursula. No, I mean, we do get, there's a NPC in here that has a pet clownfish, mm-hmm. and it is just straight up Nemo that follows him around. Oh, yeah, it's half Nemo, half, uh, what's what's the fish's name in? Flounder uh, in Little Mermaid. They gotta, gotta give me some credit here. That movie's in like 1989. <laughs> nah. It's, it's old. <laughs> I gotta give you no credit. Hey, I, I, you gotta give me some credit for being able to remember things from Little Mermaid. I gotta, I gotta give you some credit for being able to remember anything at all. That's true. That's true, because I have virtually no memory. Yeah, you are an old man with a shitty brain. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for that. At least <laughs> at least I've still got my sense of humor. <laughs> uh, so the the mechanics in this book are fairly simple. Yeah, they're quick. They're pretty easy to understand, and they're a good one for teaching counting to very young kids. I mean, let's stress that, you know, going in. This book is for children. Like, it is designed to be, like, an adult plays this game for some kids. Oh, yeah, and it's... It also has a lot of sections about like uh, having the kids run it for other kids, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, you'll probably want like your older kid who's played the game before or can actually read the book, run it for them. Uh, I like that because it also has some good tips for like kids that are going to run the game. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think that's that's nice, and it, the book's small, big text. It's perfect for children, and and uh, I plan to you know judge it accordingly as I go through it when I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, this is very for- clearly for kids. Now that doesn't excuse the fact that the book is riddled with grammatical and spelling errors. Oh yeah, uh, it wasn't written by children, guys. No, this really could have used a copy editor. There is a lot of spelling stuff, yeah. just errors, typos throughout here, and then random grammatical things sometimes you'll have like repeated words yeah and then you know heavens but does it end with an ad for witch girls adventures at the back oh yes so just a a grisly reminder of how bad spelling and grammar can be (laughs) from witch girls adventures the game that spelled its logo wrong yay (laughs) so Uh, so the the mechanics on this it's all six-sided dice yes and they recommend that you get like a like 10 white and 10 black, but you can, as long as you have 10 of one color and 10 of another color, you're fine. Mm -hmm. And what you're going to be doing is normally the white dice are your aptitude or success type dice. You'll be rolling those. So if I have, say, a three in a stat and I'm rolling that stat, I'll have three of those dice. If I've got any modifiers to it, I might add uh, one or two more. Yes. Uh, but you, all you add is white dice, so you're just you're just piling in additional white d6s to roll against the target number. So for the, ex- the what you're going to do is add in black dice for your difficulty. Yes. So for example, if you would like to, I don't know, swim through a, a, a some some rapid water that's slightly dangerous, and the the uh, the, the DM will be like, uh, hey, that, that that's a too difficulty to swim through there, so you have to add two black dice to your roll. Yeah. And then you'll be like, all right, but I have swimming as one of my abilities, and so. I have extra dice there, so I have four dice. So you'll roll four white dice and two black dice. Now, all you do with these dice is you count one, th- one through three as a failure and five through six, or sorry, four through six as a success. Yeah, it's just count up your four through sixes, and if you've got more white successes than black successes, you win. Mm-hmm. That sounds kind of racist, John. <laughs> yep. I'm just going to. Yep. If, go if white succeeds more than black, then everybody's a winner. <laughs> The important thing in this game is to reduce the number of blacks you have to roll. Yep. That's that's what we're trying to get. What oh. I'm saying is the more blacks you have, the worse it is for you. Yeah, you want to really amass those whites. Yep. The more whites you can get together, the easier it is for you to overcome. I don't even want this section in the, sh- the episode. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this now. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to no. use green and yellow dice instead because, geez. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Uh, so it's pretty simple. It, it if it sounds really familiar, it should because it's basically the exact same mechanic as uh, FFG's Star Wars RPG, the Edge of the Empire, Force and Destiny, except with a lot of unnecessary falderall and uh, custom dice being removed. Yeah the the big thing with this is I mean there's been plenty of games that are the half and half win or lose on your dice, and mm-hmm. you're just looking for successes. Yeah. Uh, so that's not an issue. It's good for kids to be able to fairly easily go oh i've got 
you know, two minus one, I've got one success, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the other thing being that you count the, the the sheer number of successes by which you uh, exceed your difficulty, and then you get better success the further up you go that ladder. So if like, oh, you have to swim down this channel. Okay, you do. I got zero black failures and five white successes. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You, you swim through there so well that you impress the queen of swimming, and she gives you a... <laughs> You she pressed the queen of swimming. And she gives you a uh, gift certificate to a ramen place you like. <laughs> she gives you a gift certificate to the Tasty Freeze. <laughs> yeah, she gives you a gift certificate to Dairy Queen, where you get one of those shakes, they serve you upside down to prove how thick it is. Yeah. I like to get served upside down to prove how thick it is. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so... uh we had already mentioned the stats. Everyone starts with one. There are four stats. You've got your body, mm-hmm. your mind, mm-hmm. your charm, mm-hmm. and your luck. Yeah. So luck in this game is a little more uh, direct than it is in a lot of other games. Like in, in Normally a, of- a luck mechanic is like a re-roll or a bonus to something. Yeah, or it, it mitigates the, the, the penalties of failure or, uh, or helps in, enhance successes. It's things like that. It usually tends to be sort of an ephemeral stat. In this game, it's alarmingly literal, and it's actually kind of rad. You're just like, if you're a character who's relying on luck, you do things like, it would sure be lucky if there was a secret tunnel around here no one had ever found before. I roll for it, and there is. <laughs> yeah, the pretty much it's the catch-all for anything that doesn't fall into the others. Yeah. So if you're not doing something physical, mental, or social, you're just using luck for it. You're like, oh, I, I want to find secret evidence in this room. You're like, all right, well, see if you're lucky. Yeah, and, oh, and you are. So your character can literally just have luck as the stat that really is very equivalent to strength. The other thing is luck is your magic stat. Yes. So if you want to be a wizard, then you're investing in luck. Yes, you are. So so there are only four stats. The neat thing about the stats is that they also serve as hit points. Uh, Your character can't necessarily be killed in this game, but they can... Uh, they, they can suffer hit points and be sl- uh, quickly taken out of a fight for a while by having one or more of their stats drop to zero. Yeah, so uh, you get an extra five points to put in your stats. Mm-hmm. They generally recommend that you have two threes and two twos yeah. as your stats, but you can do whatever you want with them. Up to five is the max you can have in So something. again, to start a character, you have four stats. Three of their stats are at one, and one of them is at two. Yeah. And then they get an additional five points to place. So... They and they say for kids that are too young to really worry about like putting stats like points into things, just give them two threes and two twos. Yeah, let them let them figure it out. It doesn't. I mean, their play testers were as young as four. Yeah, I mean, it basically went between four and twelve, but you were usually looking at about the eight to ten range. Yes. So uh, okay, once you've got those, then you establish what the hit. You, you're you have hit points in each one. So if someone swings at you using their charm skill, for example then you may you will suffer charm damage as a result if you defend with charm. Yeah. So if I'm talking to someone and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to make fun of their dumb haircut, and I'm using charm to attack them. And I'm like, well, I'll repel that by flexing so hard that no one cares about my hair. Then I, I defend it with, with a body. Now, what happens, though, is if you fail to defend against my attack, you take the damage to body, which means... Somehow, my charm attack has left you weakened in body. You're like, oh, I'm not very strong, apparently, because no one cared about my body, and they looked at my dumb hair. <laughs> the, I mean, the other fun thing is if you are dropped to a certain threshold of, of, uh, lowered, uh, of uh, stat HPs, then you can roll on a chart to see what exactly happened to you. Yeah, once you hit zero and your number of hit points is equal to what your stat is. Yes. So if I've got a three in charm, I have three hit points in charm. Yeah. Uh, but once you hit zero, you roll 2d6, and you've got a 2 to 12 chart. Yes. At and the high end, if you roll a 12, you just gain a point of whatever it was back, and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad, and everything's fine. Yay. Yeah. Uh, if the roll, the low end, if you roll a 2, is you permanently lose a point in that ability, which is a little tough for a, for a game for kids. It's permanent stat damage. But on the other hand, it's pretty quick and easy to, to raise them back up with XP. So Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it going... 
if if this was a game that you thought was going to be an actual campaign for little kids, then I would probably change the two out. But that's for something a, else. That's such a weird concept. Like we're gonna play a long form mermaid role playing game for like eight year olds. Yeah. Like we're gonna meet each week and keep playing mermaid game. And the same mermaids every time. Yeah. Like the kids aren't gonna be into that. The kids are gonna want to make new characters every time. So the the stat damage just didn't seem all that scary to me. It's literally there for if you have a bunch of grown ups playing this. I guess. I guess. So. uh so yeah, the, some of the other fun stat effects, like on body, for example, you you have a a role of okay. Not only did you take a hit point of damage, but the attack was that hit you was so strong that one of your friends takes a hit point of damage, which means that someone can insult you so hard that it it physically hurts two people. Yeah, you're like ooh, and the guy next to you is like ow, damn. I like to think it's that you're so uh, taken aback by the insult that you just walk headlong into a friend. Oh yeah, just conk them, just donk, ow. Yeah, the. Uh when you lose all your luck points rolling on that table, you can take damage to any of your other stats. You just get wrecked on things. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the things that happen when you go to zero though, regardless of what you roll is you can't do anything with that stat. So if I go to zero charm, I can't try to charm anyone until I heal that point up. No, I know, John. I- I'm used to this about you. I Yeah, you're used to me being at zero charm. Zero charm. Can't impress people until you get your shit together. Yeah, just yeah. until I get it up. Yeah, just until you yeah. get it up. And then everyone's real impressed. <laughs> That's how the world works, John. Everyone wants to see your dick. Yeah. <laughs> they want to come at me upside down to see how thick it is. <laughs> oh, you're a white person with a position in the media, which means everyone wants to see your dick. <laughs> that's true. I know it's true. It and true. that's why I send it to everyone. We're topical. <laughs> Don't ask us for it. It'll just show up. <laughs> I won't even send it. It'll just go your way. It's not even listed as a Patreon reward, because why would we? <laughs> You're going to get it anyway. Yeah. Once a month, we'll send you a picture of John's dick to let you know how it's developing and growing. And for only 83 cents a month, the cost of half a cup of coffee, you too can help a child in Zimbabwe and get pictures of John's dick. Yeah. Just artisanal, locally sourced dick pics. Yeah, now, does he sometimes put a little hat on it and pretend it's a, it's a fancy gentleman? No. Does it sometimes have a tiny cape on there? No. <laughs> uh, you're taking all the fun out of this. Yes, I am. Is it occasionally a little dog costume? Uh, yes. There it is. That's all, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah. Do you ever put it on a hot dog bun and pretend it is a hot dog? No, I'm too scared. <laughs> too scared. That someone will come along and be like, I'd eat that hot dog. Ooh, a hot dog. <laughs> hot dog question. <laughs> would, would you, you eat a dick that is a hot dog? <laughs> would you eat a dick that is disguised as a hot dog? No. Okay, just checking. Uh, okay. So, in addition to your stats, I mean, you'll pick your race, which is going to give you whatever one of your stats is a two. And I've been waiting to talk about the species thing for quite a while. This is this is kind of the cool part of this book, is that there are eight sub-races of mermaid. Yeah. The standard everyone thinks of a mermaid is a fish person. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fish folk. Each one's a kind of folk. Yeah. So you've got your fish folk. You've got eel folk. Uh, eel folk have eel lower bodies, which means that they have ribbons of fin running down both sides of their, their uh, body. Uh, and they are pranksters that love to cheer everyone up. Oh, yeah. Well, the and the fish people are adventure-seeking. Yes. I don't remember what they get as their plus one. Is it luck? I, for I, for mermaids. For mermaids, I think it's probably charm because okay. every little girl wants to be a charming uh, mermaid. Because I, I thought eels also got uh, charm because they're so... No, they get mind because they're tricksters. They're so gregarious. They're so gregarious and they like to talk to people. They love to play pranks and they're a little too... Sometimes they're a little too pranksy for a their own good. A little too pranksy. Yeah. By the way, I'm pranksy. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm the famous uh, graffiti it's, artist, pranksy. It's me. I'm pranksy. <laughs> I'm taking credit for it now. If you haven't seen any pranksy pieces, then uh, you know you're just missing out. Most of them are around the UK, where I am regularly at, <laughs> so regularly defacing their their uh, public buildings and calling myself pranksy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the fish folk get plus one in charm. The eel folk get plus one in mind. There it is. The next one after that is the octo people folk or the octo folk, which are plus one luck because they're magic. Yes, they get. They are very good at magic. Uh, and I forget. And they're, these they're, are these are also f- the things that we're saying they have are qualities, which is sort of the feats of this game. Yes, yeah. which gives you a plus one white die when you're doing something based on whatever a quality is. Yes. So, for so, example, uh, an eel has a plus one white die when they're trying to cheer someone up or brighten spirits. Yeah, and the fish folk are adventurous. So, if you're discovering something new or going somewhere different, you'll get a die. And then octo folk are just 
Uh, they have tentacles, so if having extra hands would help, you get a plus one die. Yes. Uh, after that, you've got the Ray Folk. <laughs> Ray Folk get a <laughs> plus one to body. Yeah. And <laughs> their special quality is flatten, which Ray Folk get a plus one white die to benefits <laughs> to anything that would benefit from being flat. Yeah, so for example, if I'm attempting to lose at a karaoke contest, yeah, yeah, oh. then then definitely being then flat de- would, definitely being flat would, would completely help me out ah. with that. N- yeah, note that we went with music there, folks. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, great. The one after that is the jelly folk or the lobster folk. It, um, uh, well, it doesn't matter. You've been out of the order for the whole time, so uh, oh, it, okay. it's fine. All right, fine. Jelly folk are also a plus one on charm. Yes, and their big deal is that they can be translucent. So they get they can have a plus one white die whenever it would be useful to be clear. Oh yeah, they're basically a stealth bonus. Yes, they get a little stealth bonus. Uh, then you got lobster folk, which are builders. Yep, they're uh, plus one mind, and they are. Uh, they're. It's weird because their whole thing, society wise, is that they are builders and engineers, but their quality is just that they have hard shells. Yes, they they can they get plus one when white defending die. against a body hit. Yeah, they don't take body hits especially well. But other than that, they're basically doozers. They just spend all their time building and using cartoonish fish as like saws and hammers and things. Yeah, they they definitely will build a house and then you'll go over to some saw fish and be like, it's a living! <laughs> Why does it have a bird voice? I don't know. <laughs> this fish is confusing. <laughs> the, well, Okay, fine. Let's wavering. There we go. Now I feel better. There, good. I'm glad. <laughs> and uh, you've also got the urchin folk. Yep, urchin folk are also plus one in luck. I don't know why. They just needed someone else to have a plus one in it. They're also magic-y. They're considered the thieves of magic by the octofold. They're thieves. Yeah. The, uh, but what the, the, they really are is the warrior race. Because their quality is spiny, which uh, you get a plus one white whenever you want to poke someone with your spines. So effectively, they're really good at magic and really good at hitting people, which makes them the gish race. <laughs> Urchins are the blood, the blade singers of this game. Well, now there is no mention at all of how these things move around. No, uh, they just, I guess, do. I guess they just. Anytime you look away and then you look back, they're somewhere else. They're just over where they need to be. There's no like, wait, can urchins swim through open water? No, no, they can't. They use uh, little pseudopod things they extru- extend between their spines to kind of slowly ambulate around. Uh, but and, and can they can they leave the surface? Can they even go up a vertical like cliff or something? No, which makes it weird because they live in cliffs and they apparently are just slightly slower swimmers than everyone else. Uh. No mention of how it works. The male one straight up looks like a genie, except that they took the cloud out from under him with the, with the select and replace tools in Photoshop and stuck a picture of an urchin on there instead. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, John. Look at him. He's got crossed scimitars. Oh, I know. It's because he created water scimitars. Ah, yes. He created water scimitars. And then he granted wishes to a young boy. Yes. Yeah. He wanted to be a prince. Did we get all of them? Nope. Shark folk. Oh, good. Yeah, shark folk. Uh, we already mentioned shark folk. Big, muscly. They get a and plus one to strength. They uh, they are also big and scary is their quality. So an extra white die when you want to intimidate or scare someone. Now, the uh, as we said, you'll put five points into there. The great bit is this also has a ton of random charts, which is my favorite thing in any game. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what your uh, Merv person looks like, you can roll randomly for hair color, hairstyle, eye color, fin color. These are uh, pretty standard charts for me, which is that there are like, it's like a D12 roll, right? And then there are 11 normal entries, and then the last one is something insane. So it's always the one you want, where you're like, what color are my eyes? Oh, I could, they could be blue, or green, or blue, or yellow, or blue, or blue, or brown, or swirling colors. Yeah, well, I mean, none of the other ones are particularly crazy. Just for some reason, eye color, the 12 is swirling colors. Ah, uh, fair enough. Okay. I thought the fin, the uh, hair one also had something wacky at the end. No, Does it's it just afro. Say, oh, it's racist. afro. Isn't it possible for it to just say... Uh, it says Afro, right? Yes. And then also you can get a special thing of highlights, I think. Uh, that's for hair color. Yeah. Is highlights. Yeah. Which is the one you will roll most often because it's a 2D6 roll mm-hmm. and the 7 is highlights. So the most likely thing you are to have is hair color with highlights, your hairstyle is pigtails, and you have violet eyes. So violet eyes. And a red fin. Also, with highlights is the entirety of the color description. It's not like... Yeah. You have some natural hair color of whatever plus highlights. It's just your color is with highlights. Your your color is highlight. Your your hair color is that weird neon yellow of a highlighter. 
Now I'm I'm I got to point out when I was a kid I had a total fro. Like my hair was completely like a basketball of hair. Yeah. Right. And one time for fun I went and got highlights done. And you know what happened? They just vanished into my hair. <laughs> they just diffused outward and were gone as quickly as they had arrived. It was like it was like gnomes coming through to, to uh, put blonde streaks in my hair at night. But I forgot to leave out a bowl of milk. <laughs> and and so uh. Afro plus highlights. I'm I'm curious about how that would work. But hey, I'm I, I'm happy to be impressed. The uh, the fun one on here though is there is after you do what you look like and whatnot. There's an instruments of vengeance one. That's that's kind <laughs> yes. of the yeah. No, there's uh there's the extras chart. So you roll a d six, mm-hmm. and depending on what you roll, you then roll on a chart for what you have as a fun thing. So uh, you can get fun items check, knowledge items check, features check, clothing <laughs> check. Weird items. Check. Weapons. Check. Location. <laughs> Desire. Check. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you can get just weird stuff like your fun items can be stuff like a musical instrument, a slingshot, or a clam ball. A clam ball. Because they mention a couple times throughout this that there's uh, a few known things in mermaid society that the book wants you to kind of, you know, help your kids to imagine. And one of them is the Merm People Olympics, which happen pretty much once a season. Uh, and then also the official sport of mermaids, clam ball. Yeah, clam ball is, I don't even know. What is we, it, like rugby no with a clam? I don't, we have no idea what clam ball is. I, I've been picturing that it's blitz ball from Final Fantasy X. The, uh, the problem I have is they're like, yeah, clam ball, and you've got to get your thing, your clam ball into the other end zone. I'm like, what's a clam? What is a clam ball? Is it a pearl? Because a I've, pearl is a basically a round thing in a clam, so you could have like a clam ball as a pearl. Look, you mollusk racist. Those are th- those are a round thing found in oysters. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they all look the same to me. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> uh, no, but we have no idea what a clam ball is. It is a ball of clams. <laughs> Who knows? Is it just a ball that smells like clams? It could just be a full-on clam that just you're running clam, around yeah. with. It could be like the beet ball was back in Doug, where it was like, this ball is shaped like a beet. It bounces terribly. <laughs> uh, and I still like looking, because it's 2D6, seeing what the most uh, average thing you oh, will yeah, get in this. What's the seven? So the seven uh, musical instrument for fun items, a notepad and pen for knowledge. There's a lot of books and playing cards and things like this. No mention of what how these work. And it's great because I'm like, ah, oh, you're underwater. This shouldn't work. You have <laughs> a notepad matter. and pen and you're just like, oh, this is falling apart. Kids don't need to worry about that. Uh, a big nose is your features roll. <laughs> Most often, if you roll features, you'll have a big nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, in clothing... You're most likely to get spiked bracelets, but the six and eight are a locket or tiara. Ooh, nice. Uh, your weird items, you Come could get two D6 paper clips. That's your most common thing is two D6 The other clips. two are a dog whistle, so you can uh, have people show up that are racist. Okay. And a rubber chicken. <laughs> I like the idea that it's a cultural dog whistle. Yeah, you have a cultural dog whistle. <laughs> Why isn't there a white history month? Huh? Huh? Racism. Oh, not racism. Dog whistling. I... I do love the weapons section, though, because some of it is like <clears throat> things that are fairly uh, like normal for, say, a mermaid or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you'll have like claws or sharp teeth or a trident. Uh, but then there's stuff like boxing gloves and a pocket knife and scissors. But my favorite, the seven on this, the most <laughs> common weapon. common one that you will get is a nail gun. What? Which kind of nail gun is it? Does it mean it comes with an air compressor? Because apparently, because most nail guns are air compressor fired. I mean, some of them are electric, but those usually suck. Yeah, but <laughs> fucking nail gun, nail gun. All right, sure. I mean, I was already getting ready to ask a couple questions about the other weapons on that list, but yeah, like because a lot of them. Well, sound... one of them is stick of dynamite. Which great, you have a stick of dynamite underwater. And those can work underwater. You just need a a, a water uh, burning blasting cap. That's fine. We can yeah. and wick. You can th- that can be a thing. It's just a dumb idea. The hydrostatic shockwave it puts off is uh, there's no way you swim far enough away from it to not <laughs> rattle your damn brain. Uh, and the last thing you roll randomly for is your goal. Every uh, mer person has a goal. And that's going to give you another opportunity to get a an additional white die if you're going after whatever your goal is. Sure, sure. And that can be things like 
uh, approval or you want to collect things mm-hmm. or you want wealth or love. Yeah, you, if you want vengeance. Check. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the one that is most commonly rolled on that one is survival. People just want to survive. It's pretty. It's uh, pretty reactive as as a goal. Like it seems like you'd be able to use that in a lot of any time the situation is any kind of combat. You'd be like, I get an extra white die because I'd die if I didn't. Yeah, it's you gain plus one white die to rolls that help you survive any attack or situation that may severely hurt you. I mean, granted, on the one hand, that sounds like it's way too good to balance with the others, but on the other, when you look at the random encounter tables in the back of this book, a lot of them are things like, "There is a costume party. What will you go as?" Oh yeah, so. The- there's a whole bunch of like adventures and uh, ideas for what to do during your game, and very, very few of them are go fight some dudes. It's normally like, you've heard of a treasure chest in a cave. Can you find it? Yeah. So it's because especially because social combat and regular combat work exactly the same in this game. Yeah. You you make a if you're trying to hit someone with your with your rubber chicken or whatever it is you have you you make a body attack against them and they defend with body. Unless they can come up with a way to not defend with body. Yeah. Uh, and your last thing you're going to do is uh, uh, qualities. Yeah, qualities. Your, your average mermaid gets four four qualities, plus their starting quality that they get for free just for having their, their sub-race of choice. And their goal. And their goal also generates one. So you end up with quite a few of these. Qualities are, again, basically just white dye generators. Yeah. So uh, if you have fast swimmer as mm-hmm. a quality, then any time swimming fast would be useful, you get an extra white dye. Yeah, you can have like I know about humans. So anytime you would have to uh, like interact with or do something with human technology, you can get a die. I like a one of ton my, of them. One of my very favorite things in here is when you look at the know about humans uh, description. It's a lot of comically wrong things about humans that you know, and I like that it still counts and still works because it's all about belief in the in the structures of the system. So you're like, I'm, I'm the expert on humans out of the three of us on this adventure. I know that all humans have feet that are tongues. <laughs> and it, it's fine. You still get the bonus because, what, the other people are going to doubt you? They don't have knowledge in humans. They don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bunch of those. There are a few negative qualities that show up that you can get. Usually it's one of the rolls on if you run out of hit points on a thing, you might roll up like a phobia. Mm-hmm. So then you'll have the scared of whatever negative quality and uh, that'll just add a black die whenever you're dealing with that. Yeah, there's also a uh, a list of qualities that are magic. Uh, you can have a number of magic qualities equal to your total number of luck uh, stat, like your whatever your highest stat is in luck. Uh, and each time you use a magic quality, a magic effect occurs, like you can shoot a beam or summon fish, uh, but it eats one of your luck for for a while. It, it basically does a, like a luck hit against you. Yeah, and it, it eats up one of your other qualities. So when you might have put like... I am a brawny fighter as a quality. You're like, no, instead I have the ability to shoot a beam. I've got a magic beam I can do. Yeah, but you can't shoot beams all day because you'll you'll eat up your luck points. You you very well might have been better off just spending a point on uh, you know luck or something like that and using that all the time. Well, uh, yeah, the I mean, there's a lot of the things in the magic that are stuff you just can't do otherwise. But it, I mean, like yeah. you can have healing touch. Or you Invisible can hip- touch. hypnotize people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do water bending, so you can make those water scimitars. Yeah, you can water bend. Uh, you can't earth, air, or fire bend. Well, no, you're no. you're a mermaid. Yeah, mermaids can't fire bend. I mean, that's that's the that's the title of my novel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the littlest fire bending mermaid that could <laughs> and didn't realize the littlest fire bending mermaid that could not, but did anyway. <laughs> That shouldn't have. The littlest firebrending mermaid that went up a hill and came down a mountain. The uh, the weirdest quality you can get, though, is having a companion. Mm-hmm. So if you have, like, oh, I've got this clownfish and he's my friend, then it costs more points than a standard quality. It's like two instead of one. Yeah. But you have a like actual character. Yeah, they have all their stats and everything. Oh, granted, they have, like, ones. Oh, yeah. If you If you just get a baseline fish... You're like, oh, it's ones and all the stats, and that's it. Like, and the quality that it starts with is like cowardly, and it can run away from things real easy. Yes, but the uh, you can invest in it if you really want to. You can be like, yo, instead of gaining a new, I'll spend XP instead of on me on my companion. So you can have stuff like I start the game with a baby shark, and over the course of the game, I'll just put XP into the shark and make the shark red. Hell yeah, pet class, baby! I love that shit. Yeah, you can do that if you want to, and yeah. it's like. 
if that's what you want to do, you can 100% invest everything you have in your pet, which is awesome. One of the funny things in this book is that they never really mention, they like, oh, you can talk to any shark, sea turtle, fish, whatever you happen to come across. So, and then it also mentions that, that uh, the shark mermaids are voracious expert hunters. And I'm like, okay, so are they eating sentient fish? Because oh, that's of course. the only option. Obviously. They're shark people. Yeah, so there's it never really gets into the, the morality of those two things existing in the same universe. Like, I know the Little Mermaid movie doesn't either, you know? There's never a point where you see Ariel eat. No, they don't want to get into, are all of the mermaids vegan or, like, what's going on here? How many more fish can talk besides Flounder and Sebastian and all the fish in that one song? Well, you have to assume all of them. Yeah, I, I, you have to assume so, but... There's a lot of non-verbal fish in the film. There's dolphins in Little Mermaid. They never talk. Well, the weird thing is uh, the difference between, say, Little Mermaid and this game is they do it much more uh, like a Finding Nemo in that they can talk to each other, but humans can't understand them, whereas humans can understand the like the fish and whatnot in Little Mermaid. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know if they actually can or if that's a convention of musicals. Because the only time you see the fish types talking to the humans is the Kiss the Girl song. There's no other point besides when Sebastian's like, hey man, just kiss her. There's no way she can say no. She can't talk, bro. Bro, go in there. Get in there. <laughs> Dude, take what's yours. <laughs> Sebastian's horrible. Just, Sebastian is a, is a terrible person. Sebastian and Prince Eric are terrible people. <laughs> hey man, Prince Eric wasn't going to do it. I don't understand. The, the thing in that movie that drove me nuts is, why isn't Ariel doing it? Why? Why didn't Ariel just grab and be like, "Just give me, give me them lips. Just lean in, Ariel. Earn your place." <laughs> I think it's because she's sixteen and he's like twenty-three. Probably. I think that's one of those things the Little Mermaid never wants you to kind of note. You, you never really want to think about how Prince Eric is like an actual full-grown adult, and <laughs> Ariel is straight up a sixteen-year-old who's had her breath stolen by like some sort of slave mon. Like that movie's got some issues. Once you dig down and think about what's happening in it, oh yeah, there's some there's some problems. I mean. It, the, the problems are so intense that in the book version of the whole thing, the old Hans Christian Andersen tale, she kills herself at the end. Yeah. Kids, it gets better. <laughs> Seek help if you need help. Do not be like the Little Mermaid. Seek help. Seek help. Seek help if you need help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seek help. Uh, it's a joke. Uh, you, mermaids. It's mer- <laughs> Mermaider. <laughs> mermaider, Mermaider, Mermaider. Her life was truly ended by mermaids. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, that's what you're going to get there. You also have a bunch of charts for, like, uh, random encounters. There's a whole, if you want to, like, you don't know what to do as the navigator is the name for the GM of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just remembered one of the other magic qualities in this game that was sort of neat is grow feet. Yeah, you can turn into a fish as a magic quality or turn into a human as a magic quality. Yes. I kind of, what the, the whole grow feet thing was, I, I guess it just turns you into a human and that's the end of that. Because some of the species, you're like, so what happens to a lobster person or like an urchin? And they just turn into a human. They just get human feet instead. Well, right. yeah, because it's not grow feet. It's well, turn into a human is okay, the power. But one of the things is, like, mermaids can't survive up on land, but it seems like a lobster could for a while. <laughs> like, not forever, but for a while. A little bit. Yeah. You can walk around. Yeah, they can kind of cramble, clamber around out there. Yeah. Well, the uh, go fall fall in love with Prince Eric. He'll be totally into that. Clack, clack, hey, clack. what are you what are you up to? I'm a I'm a sexy lady up top, and then uh, you know a lobster on the bottom, a horrifying freakish bug. Yeah, I'm uh, a weird sea bug on the bottom. Is that fur on the on, on there? What's that green stuff? I don't know. I, I never looked. At, I, I try not to look down there. Anyway, you want to do some things? Huh? You, you want to do stuff? S- want to do a little hand and mouth stuff? Huh? <laughs> yeah. You want to do some claw stuff? <laughs> I can do claw stuff. Uh, yeah. The well, I mean, that has to exist in there specifically so that you can have. An octo-sorcerer that's like, I'll turn you into a human. Yeah, because notably, the turn-into-a-human ability can affect yourself for one luck, or someone else for two luck. Yeah, and you can also turn basically any magical ability into a potion if you're powerful enough. Yeah, so so all the trappings that are needed to create the Little Mermaid storyline, if you want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the random encounter tables, as I was saying, is super cool. I just like, because they're divided into types of adventures you want to have Mm -hmm. so it'll be like i want to go on a magical adventure all right here's a table of magical adventures i want to go on like a weird sport adventure all right here's sport adventures all right you either compete in the mermaid olympics or you play clam ball clam ball clamble you get clambled you get clambled real hard Uh, they clambled all over you got a clamble injury you tore a tendon which is (laughs) weird because you're a fish and uh you're gonna have to sit out the next three games of clamble yeah. Also, you're losing your endorsement deal with Fish Nike. 
I also like that one of them is the carnival is in town, but something is weird. I'm like, oh, dude, you're straight up doing the fish version of something wicked this way comes. <laughs> the carnival is in town, but something's weird. Yep. Is it that the carnival's in town? It is. I feel like that's pretty much all you need. Well, the setting of this takes place in Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have King Triton and Queen... Uh, Neptunia? Yeah. Neptuna. Tuna. Queen Tuna. tuna. Queen, Queen Big Tuna. Queen <laughs> Tuna Charlie Tuna. Queen Charlie Tuna. Oh, looks like we got a badass over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, Triton is, of course, your standard uh, fish man. He is, he is definitely King Triton from the movies. Mm-hmm. But the Queen is a ray folk, so she... Is like yeah, I sports. We never really talked about the Ray. No, folk, it's it's uh music. Oh, She's okay. all about music. Yeah, because most of the Ray folk are about sports. Like hell yeah, sports going fast. <laughs> but she's like, yo, I put on concerts and uh, we have a great arts program here in Atlantis. <laughs> we have a great arts program, third rate symphony. But hey, you know our team is double A. <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh, the weird thing is, the background for this is all of the folk had a giant war. Yeah, it was like 60 years ago. The big war of folk ended. Yeah, and so then basically everyone decided to be peaceful and come together in Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And everything outside of it is a goddamn wasteland? Yes, or a war zone. There's yeah. still there's still battles happening between various folk everywhere. It's like if you go outside the boundaries of where the guards are around Atlantis... Then you're out in like the dark lands, and the dark lands are full of monsters and like fighting and weird sorcerers and, and, and bandits. Nice thing is that this book in 40 pages managed to get managed to get across everything you really need. So the very next thing you'll see is that there's a full monster manual in the back of this thing with stuff like sharks and krakens and and uh, vicious bandits and various types of humans and mermaids that you can encounter. Yep, and. Man, that Kraken does not fuck around. No, the, it will straight murder you. The Kraken is for high-level adventuring parties and would straight up murder your face. Yeah, it's like, what What does the Kraken do? Oh, it's got multiple attacks and its body is at eight. Now, it's notable that the Kraken in this is. It starts out by saying, also known as the giant squid, which is like, all right, so it's an Arcatuthis ducks, whatever. That's, that's, it, can, we, can, we, can we go ahead and say... <laughs> We just say that the Kraken is way bigger than Architeuthis, just once. Architeuthis ducks? Architeuthis ducks, the, the scientific name for the giant squid. I'm, rem- I'm forgetting at the moment the colossal squids, because that's one of my, my ch- childhood obsessions was giant squids. Yep. I, I knew way more about them. I, that, but I basically had childhood obsessions about everything. That's good. I yeah. didn't. You didn't. You pretty much had a childhood obsession with Mama Celeste pizzas. Uh, I had a childhood sol- obsession with Mama Celeste. That was my sexual awakening. <laughs> Looking at that Mama Celeste box. Is there even a lady on the cover of a Mama Celeste, or was your sexual awakening just pizza? No, there is a lady. There is Mama Celeste is on the cover. She's in a circle near where it says Mama Celeste. Jesus, you'd think you'd know this. By Why now. would I know that? I don't eat those. Those are your foul pizzas. I don't eat those, and I know that. <laughs> yeah, but the fiction says you do. <laughs> well, sorry to bring kayfabe there. <laughs> That's, it's okay, but get your head back on. <laughs> Got to get you know, back in the game here. You know you don't take your mascot costume off when you're above the surface. <laughs> your penalty is you have to clean Walt Disney's head. <laughs> Which one? Hey. Uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Come on, John. This is a children's game. This is a children's game for children. <laughs> All right. So uh, would you like to talk about your favorites and least favorites? Might as well. All right, John. What would you say is your very favoritest thing about Little... Wait, not Little Mermaid. Just Mermaid Adventures. About Little Mermaid... Finding Little Mermaid Nemos. <laughs> Moana Mo Problems. <laughs> the I think that my favorite thing with this is what I would normally be upset about in a different game I actually really like in this, specifically because it is for kids, and that's the very permissive nature of qualities. Mm. Uh, a lot of the qualities are just like, if this could possibly be useful, gain one white die. And there's a hard cap on plus three white dice from anything. Yes. Uh, and you can get some from people helping you. So you can get like a team effort gives you extra white dice. For being good at role playing, like describing your thing effectively. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, ways to get extra dice, but it caps at three. And the fact that it's so permissive means that for younger kids... They're going to try and find a way to imagine how this helps. Yes. 
And for older like adults and things like that, it's much more gaming the system and just going like, I picked a thing that could be used for whatever because I always want to be maximum efficiency. Yes. But for kid role players, I think it's really nice just because it means they're going to be thinking like, well, how does this help me? How does this work? How can I describe what I'm doing to get this bonus? Like, I picked that I was uh, like super good at telling jokes and how am I going to be able to work telling a joke into fighting this guy? You know? There's uh it's it's an interesting system. I like that it's permissive and I like that it has a hard cap so you can't just be like I use all four of my qualities and someone helps me and I describe what I do and yeah. So that's that's nice. It it means that the game is still potentially playable at like a convention level among adults. Yeah, it has um, a hard cap on what you can do. Yeah, which but is still, it means you all, can still hit a lot of stuff. That really does all that really does is set your floor. Yeah. Just saying, you can get three dice on things. In my brain, like in my gamer brain, I'm already thinking, I have to get three dice on things. Got it. I understand what you just said. Yeah, when, and that's the problem for adults, is yeah. that you look at something like, the most you can get is a plus three, and you think, that means I need to get a plus three. Yeah, that is also the minimum. Thank you for setting that for me. Yeah. Uh, so, that that is my favorite thing in there, is that permissive nature of qualities. What would you say your favorite thing I'm, is? I'm actually going to go along with you here. One of my, my favorite thing in this book is also something I would probably not like in another book, and that is the four different hit point tracks. Mm-hmm. In most games, I don't like a, a wide variety of hit point tracks, because I feel like it's just unnecessary complexity, and I actually... I've always been on the side of abstracting what hit points represent. Yes. Um, which, shit, G- Gygax was on the side of representing what hit po- or, or of abstracting what hit points represent. Get over it, everybody. <laughs> but in this game, I like it because you have small hit point tracks. They're very little. And they, they again, are a good role-playing assisting for, or assistance for little kids. If you say, like, oh, okay, the bully threw so many sea anemones in your hair that you can't be charming for a little while until such time as you manage to get them out of your hair then the kid understands, oh, I'm not going to be able to win by being charming at the moment. I'll have to find other resourceful ways to get what I want. And I know why, because my my charm is set to zero. Yeah. And, and it's small enough that it matters, and it will happen. Yeah, because you're not looking at, like, oh, I've got 40 hit points for this and 50 hit points for that. And you're like, no, nah, man, I've got three and two, generally. Maybe one of my stats is a four if I went heavy into something. Yeah, and the fact that they're always in peril. I mean... Uh, several of the uh, the random adventures in the back of the book, like I was saying, there are things like, oh, movie's in town. Will you go watch it? Or uh, everyone's dressing up for the ball. What does your dress look like? Those are things that are in there. But all the ones that even have conflict of any kind, like, uh, you know, a traveling salesman is in town and he's a bit of a sneak. Yeah. Like, or, I mean, there there is at least one that's like, oh, no, pirates. Yeah. But, uh, but no matter what the conflict is, you can still suffer damage because of the way that the game's conflict resolution system works. So it kind of it teaches kids how to play with the damage system at the same time as it lets them do you know interesting imaginative stuff. Well, yeah, and it, and it means there's always a threat even outside of combat because having HP that isn't always just tied to hitting things means that you have that thrill of, ooh, is something bad going to happen to me? I have to roll dice. I'm engaged in conflict, but it doesn't necessarily have to be I'm straight up fighting someone. Correct. So that's going to be my favorite thing about this game. Uh, I like I like the hit point system, weirdly. Normally, like I was saying, normally in a game that had a stat-derived hit point system where every one of your stats has an HP pool, I'd be like, this is unnecessarily complicated. Knock this shit off. Yeah. All right. So, John, what would you say is your least favorite thing about this book? Uh, least favorite thing in the book is probably going to be the art. <laughs> yeah, there's... There's way too many traced aerials in this book. I mean, yeah. I get the impression that they probably beat their Kickstarter budget by like $15. Yeah, it... I mean, God bless them. There is art in here, and it even has color. So I'll give them that, but... Yeah, but the, I feel like they're, they're somewhere like $175 below the goal to hire a copy editor. Yeah, the uh, the art on this, mostly that... God, those jellyfish and urchin folk pictures <laughs> are just painful to look at. Uh... And there, and the problem is because there is decent art, it's super painful. Yeah. You look at you know your standard mermaid or the even eel folk. The or lobster, lobster people look people. really good. Yeah, they look they look good. They look fine. You yeah. can do that. And even there are regular mermaids that aren't aerial in here. So great. I think the problem here was that they had this great idea for eight kinds of mermaids, right? But they didn't have the art support or the artistic vision to back that shit up. They still were like, well, we need eight kinds of mermaids. Let's put in, I don't know, jellyfish and sea urchins. And at no point were they like, well, how the shit does that work? How are we going to do that in the art? Because the answer for both was, we'll draw one picture of each gender of both and then never draw them again. 
This book will be completely chock full of mermaids, and these urchin people are a weird afterthought that you, that if you don't happen to open the book to that one page, you wouldn't believe they exist. I mean, you still get eel folk, octo folk, and, even shark folk show up. Yeah, but, behind other people, you'll occasionally see a big muscly shark person but hiding the, their uh, shark body. Yeah, the urchin and the jellyfish and the lobster folk just aren't really present in the book outside of their first picture. Yeah, honestly, even the sturgeon and the ray, uh, they get the urge and start to play. No, I'm yeah. not joining in on yeah. this. Huh? huh? No. I'm going to get you. You're not going to get me. <laughs> I'm going to try. Yeah, you're going to try and you're going to fail. I'm going to keep trying because, you know, the people, folks at home are excited about that happening, though. Oh, That's, I know. You're, oh, I know. You're the curmudgeon here. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know that I am taking a, a weird curmudgeonly stance for no reason. It makes no sense to me at all. Normally, I can't stop you from singing Disney songs at random moments. Oh, I know. It's true. Is it because it's, it's Little Mermaid? If no, I were... it's because you're trying to get me to do it, and I am not your monkey to dance around. <laughs> I'm not trying to get you to do it. I'm inviting you to join me. <laughs> Come along. Swim along with the snorks. <laughs> Look, John, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. I will take it. I will take it from you. <laughs> All right. So, so your worst thing, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to say my least favorite thing in this book is the editing and spelling. There's a lot of minor errors that would have been easily fixed. Uh, even just running it through a word processor grammar filter would have caught all those doubled nouns that are in here. So uh, so there's a couple. That, I mean, it's the sort of thing that you just don't want to see in a published like book that's been printed. Yeah, and especially given how small the book is and how mm -hmm. little text there is it makes it pop out more like if i'm reading a 300 page rpg and i come across a spelling error i'm like ha ah, and then i keep going and i forget that it exists because i've been reading another 100 pages past that yeah with this it's barely 100 pages on its own yeah. with big art pieces big tables big margins lots of varies yeah so the the whole thing is to the point where when you see something that's wrong with it, you're not going to forget. And by the time you hit another issue, you still remember the last one. So it feels like there's more going on that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. This book uses the trick of how to make your book hit 100 pages by starting every sentence in it with interestingly, comma. <laughs> yeah. No, it is <laughs> it definitely that, the college student that has not written their paper and is doing so the night before. Now, just to be clear, though, the things that we said we don't really like about this book are the grammar and the art. So ultimately, it's a it's a playable game. Yeah, one hundred percent. You could take this game. You could sit some kids down, uh, run it for them a few times until whoever's like the most mature or understands the game the best could run it for them. It is a game that is very easily done as a one shot. Sure, you could run it as a campaign. It's got the XP rules. You can do that. Yeah. I mean, and, and let's be real, there need to be more games in the industry for kids. I mean, there, I know there's several these days, and the number is growing, but it's always good to see them out there. Yeah. You know, your No Thank You Evils and, and so Adventure on. Adventure Maximus. Thank you, yeah. Uh, games like that. Uh, it's, it's weird because a lot of kid property games aren't even for kids. Like, there's that whole Pony Pathfinder or whatever that is... Well, there's, there's the Tales from Equestria RPG that is actually in stores. Yeah. And... It looks a little dense for children. It's, it is a little thick. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to see games like this out there that you could definitely see kids pick up. Now, to be fair, I have never seen kids having more fun than when I was at Kingdom Con and the table next to our table, because we were playing Shadowrun or something, the cable, table next to our table was like 12 10-year-olds playing Savage Worlds Rifts. Oh, yeah. They were just yelling and excited and just like... Yeah, Woo, fuck that coalition. Fuck them up. Well, I mean, they weren't really saying that because they were like 10 years old, but you know. <laughs> also, they got in a beer fight. That was <laughs> They got real drunk and just started hitting each other. Yeah, and a lot of them were wearing like trucker outfits and were clearly like in their 40s. Yeah. It was a weird, weird group of children, let me they tell you. They were all Australian? It was <laughs> just strange. A bunch of Australian truckers got in a fight next to us, and we thought they were children. <laughs> yeah, what happened was, <laughs> we weren't at Kingdom Con, we were drunk and in Australia. <laughs> and we got in a fight with some truckers. <laughs> That's the story. Yeah. No, but I mean, all I'm saying is that kids can play just about any game if you have a, a competent DM helping guide them through the process. But this is a great training wheels game, and I'll go ahead and say that. I would absolutely play this. And John, would you play this? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is definitely a game that you can sit kids down at and start them, especially younger. Mm -hmm. And a, the other really nice thing is you can especially get it for little girls. Because like with the Savage Rifts and uh, Adventure Maximus and stuff like that, it really is more towards like 
the boy adventures, whereas this is like, you can do things that are like, yeah, you can be a pretty princess and play Dress Me Up. It's fine. It's great. That's one of the adventures you'll go on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this uh, Little girls can get it, says John about this game. The little girls can get it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you repeat that for me, Judge Moore? <laughs> Why don't you have a seat right over here? <laughs> yeah. Roy Moore gets <laughs> voted into the Senate. He shows up for his first day. No one else is there but Chris Hansen. Why don't, why don't you have a seat right over here? Hi. Hi there. Come on, come on and sit down just right here. <laughs> uh, I'm all ready. Where's all the little girls I heard about in the Senate? That doesn't make any sense at all. This is a terrible bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there you go. We both play it, and we both think it's fine, and we accidentally did some topical political humor, which we are normally sworn off. Oh, no. For the love of God, no comments about that. Please and thank you. <laughs> Uh, I will just delete them. I don't care. I will delete all of you. I will shut this podcast off. I will turn this podcast will, right around. Yeah, I absolutely will. So uh, so there you go. There, That is a little... I keep saying little. That's Mermaid Adventures. It's just Mermaid Adventures. It's just Mermaid Adventures. It's, it's just, just Mermaid Adventures. It's just called Two Brothers. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, until next time, we've been System Mastery. You can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Why not stop on by and check out all our shows like Movie Mastery, our movie review podcast, Expounded Universe, our slow Star Wars Expanded Universe book review podcast, which is now weekly. So once again, thanks for uh, getting us to that Patreon goal. And Gamma Crawl X, our actual play podcast set in the Gamma World role-playing game, the 7th edition one, the one that's kind of based on 4th edition. It's just wrapping up, and it is really, really good. So check that out. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash systemmastery, where any amount of money you give us per episode of System Mastery, it doesn't charge for anything but these System Mastery episodes, any amount you give us will unlock the bonus content where we... Uh, make characters in the game that we just reviewed. So we're going to be making some uh, characters in Mermaid Adventures in just a minute. And finally, new on the site, we have joined with Drive-Thru RPG as an affiliate, uh, which means that if you click on the link to Drive-Thru RPG, you'll see as a sidebar banner thing on our website, then uh, anything you buy there, we get a portion of it automatically. So it's a new kind of a revenue stream generator for us. We're kind of hoping to run that instead of ads. Uh, so if you're going to be buying RPGs anyway, just use the link on our website, go there, buy them. And I particularly like this because I buy things on DriveThruRPG myself all the time. I, I know, for example, I recently got the uh, the Gamma World. They will print out the entire collection of 7th edition Gamma World collectible cards for you as a single box for like 20 bucks, which used to be in random collectible packs, and it was awful. So this is there's a lot of good deals on there. The PDF market is fantastic, so we'll get a little chunk of the proceeds. Hopefully it'll help us out. Otherwise, I think that should just about wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. John, you got anything else you want to add? Nope. All right. Well, then, thank, thanks very much, and have a good week. Bye.